Back to throw. In trouble. He's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs. Gets away again. Goes to the 40. Gets away again. To the 35. Cuts back at the 30. To the 20. The 15. The 10. He dies. Touchdown. Welcome to another episode of the No Huddle Podcast. I am Brian Rennick. I am joined by the legendary Al Sacco. And as you guys can tell, our uh, our third co-host, uh, Zane Nackvi, is still missing, but for good reason. Uh, Zane and his wife had their baby on July 25th. Uh, mom and baby are healthy. We are very excited for them. So Zane will be taking uh, at least another week or two uh, to gain his bearings as a father of two now, which uh, I can attest is a, is, is a change. It's definitely a change. And, he's never, uh, so, never going to have his bearings again. It's never. That's gonna. true. That's fair. It's not that he's <laughs> going to find his bearings. It's, yeah. it's, it's that he's going to adapt to not having yeah. it anymore. Right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but like I said, Al and I are here. Uh, we are going to talk about uh, the news coming out of camp. And then obviously the big news is the 49ers finally finally extended Debo Samuel. Uh, and, you know, Al, you tweeted it out yesterday. Um, there seems to be a pattern. and Hopefully people remember this pattern uh, as, as we look at the Nick Bosa extension talks next offseason. Uh, George Kittle got his extension late July. Fred Warner got his extension early August. And now Debo Samuel got his extension on July 31st. You know what that is, guys? That's a pattern. That's a pattern. pattern. So let's remember yeah. that. Let's remember that as everyone freaks out about why Nick Bosa hasn't signed his extension next offseason. And just know that the team has really kind of established a pattern with these homegrown players that they extend, that they are going to do that. And they are going to, uh, they are going to break their players off, right? We now have one of the highest paid wide receivers, the highest paid left tackle, highest paid tight end, um, highest paid uh, off-ball linebacker. Like the 49ers are going to to do what they can for their players, especially those homegrown players. And uh, and let's not freak out next offseason. Nick Bosa will be a 49er for a long time. Yeah. And, you know, I think there was some reason to be concerned, obviously, with with the trade request, obviously. Right. But also, I think we still weren't quite sure where this team was with that because of what happened with Buckner. Right. So that's always in the back of people's minds. They did sign Warner. They did resign Kittle. But you still have that Buckner thing in the back of your mind and this trade request happens. And, and this was to me something where I really wanted to see, okay, where are they going to go? Is this going to happen? And it did. And they gave him a very competitive extension, 73 million, uh, 24 guaranteed at signing, 41 full guaranteed, 58 total guarantees, three years. And I want to talk about Debo a little bit, the player and kind of what this yeah. means. Okay. So you look back to his rookie year, I think he had about 805 yards receiving, which is a really solid year for a rookie, rookie wide receiver. But things started to happen. Oh, thank you, Chris. Um, things started to happen in the Super Bowl that I was really like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We could be on to something here with this guy. Because if you remember in the first half of the Super Bowl, Brian, they were just running those reverses with him. And they yep. couldn't stop it. They could not stop it. And in the end, they went away from that, which still drives me crazy. Don't get me started on the second half of the Super Bowl. I can go on forever with that. But you started to think, <laughs> wow, this guy is, he had this great rookie season, but he, he is a problem. Then you fast forward to 2020, he was another one of their impact players that the Niners didn't have that year. He was banged up. But you look at the season he had last year, and the first thing you say is, okay, 1,405 yards, the most of any 49ers player other than T.O. or Jerry Rice. But that, those, that amount of receiving yards doesn't even tell the whole story. 
It doesn't even yeah. tell the whole story of how valuable he was. 14 total TDs, only Rice, T.O., and Roger Craig have had more in 49ers history. But what he did to put the team on his back was amazing. And unless you watched him every single game and just some of the plays he made, I always talk about the play that he made at Chicago on just, it was just third and whatever. And it was a throw behind the line and they were just trying to get room to punt. And he takes it <laughs> to the one yard line and changed the season around. Yeah. And he yeah. made a lot of plays like that. And in, and in the playoffs that, you know, that you can't stop them, you know, the, and it seemed with Garoppolo, you know, I remember in 2021 game two, I think it was, it was either against the Rams or the Patriots. I don't remember, but it was one of the games where Garoppolo was still banged up. And their offense was just throw Debo shovel pass, you know, and he's just so valuable, just getting the ball in his hands. And he means so much more to the team in terms of just overall making that offense go. He put the team on his back. So this was essential for them, especially with um, a young player like Lance behind center, because he needs that help. And I like the contract. You're only given a three-year extension, which yeah. puts them, I think a 29 will be a free agent again. So that gives Debo another chance for a big payday. And also, mm-hmm. it kind of protects the Niners, right? You know, DJ sure. has had, you know, some injury stuff. So if yeah. it turns out that he is banged up or the way that they use him, there's not a long-term value there. Mm-hmm. You know, you're out of it in the next three, four years. So yeah, I thought yeah. it was a great contract for both sides. And I think it's huge for the team. I think it's huge for the morale. I think it's huge for the offense. And it was just, it was great to see them do that. And it, Lynch's words that we mentioned, Bosa, Lynch's words in the press conference that he had, it seems like it's probably not going to get done this year. but. Both right. of the priorities, like it's not going anywhere. They're going to pay him. And now I believe it. Now they've shown me enough where I believe that they're going to keep this core group together with this, with this regime. I think, I think that they're going to do it. And look, the regime's made mistakes. All regimes do. Sure. You know, I sure. think one of the things we have to remember, Brian, with, with, Lynch, with Lynch and Shanahan, they were new to this too, five, six years ago, right? right. So they yeah. were going through growing pains and they were figuring it out. But I think for the most part, st- they've still made mistakes and they still will. And I think they may have made one we'll get into later, but um, for the most part, they've been really good and they've kept their core yeah. players. No team is perfect. And I, I think they've done a good job yeah. now and they've given us enough proof that yes, they're in it to win it and they're going to keep the core guys are going to reward. them. Yeah. You know, you, you brought up Buckner and, and I, the one thing I, I do want to point out is Buckner was drafted by the previous regime. So if you look at all the, all the superstars that this regime has drafted, they have extended them, right? Kittle. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then Warner, and now Debo, and then it'll be Bosa next year. And so they are they are committed for sure to to preserving the the core that they that they have put together. And you know, we like you said, they have made mistakes. And and arguably, you look at that first draft. You know, they had the third overall pick. They ended up with Solomon Thomas. Um, I mean, they had the second overall pick, and then traded back one. That was, I mean, they fleeced them in that trade. That was that was probably the biggest win in that entire draft. Um, mm-hmm. outside of obviously getting George Kittle in the fifth round, but that was also their first, you know, their first draft. Right. Um, and you know, like you said, Lynch was inexperienced. That's why they brought in Martin Mayhew. Um, that's why, you know, John Elway essentially did his buddy a favor and, and allowed Adam Peters to come over, you know, and Adam Peters is that, is that personnel guy. He is that, that scout, that, that head scout, if you will, the, the talent evaluator. And so, yeah, I, I think, I think they have done enough. I think they've done enough for fans to to be able to say look i i am confident that these players that i love are going to stay with this team you know maybe not necessarily long term like you said that debo that debo contract is 3 years and and honestly i think that's a win win and to me this is one of the first times where it doesn't necessarily look like the 49ers appreciably came out on top which is fine with me i have no problem mm-hmm. with that you know they have a reputation for for being kind of 
you know, hard bargainers, if you will. Um, Prague Marate, you know, always tries to put the team first. And, and honestly, that might be what that three-year deal is. And, and we don't know, you know, we have no idea what the, what the back and forth was. We really are probably never going to know really what it was that Debo, you know, caused Debo to ask for a trade. Honestly, it just all feels like bargaining at this point. Um, and, and it just, that seems to be the, the, the easy answer, but three years is a win-win for both sides. You get Debo through his prime. And then as an organization, if it looks like he's slowing down, you can let someone else pay him and then you can move on. Right. You've got Ayuk, who's going to get an extension more than likely. Um, you know, Matt Barrows uh, tweeted out today and, or, or wrote his, his camp article today saying that Brandon Ayuk is having the, essentially the, the same type of offseason that Debo Samuel had last year, which is obviously a good sign. And now you've got Debo back. And, and like you said, even before he started taking all those handoffs uh, after the, the running back room just got decimated, you know, he had over a thousand yards receiving. And uh, I think at that point he had four receiving touchdowns. And so, uh, you know, he, he is a threat in the receiving game. I think, I think Trey Lance is going to unlock him a little bit more, um, you know, especially down the field. The one thing that, that you think of with Debo, you know, Debo's fast, but he's almost more quick than fast, right? He's yeah. super, super burst, unbelievable burst. And, you know, you look at that, uh, you look at that handoff uh, in, in uh, against Dallas in the playoffs when he gets around that right side and he starts and he almost stops, finds his hole. And then right when he gets to that second level, you can literally see it's like it's like he has afterburners that he just right. activates. Right. And then yeah. he's gone. And so, you know, I think we're going to see a lot more of him in the receiving game. But, you know, a lot of people were talking about maybe the hang up is maybe he doesn't want to be used as a running back. And it, it, it seems like it's not necessarily that he didn't want to be used as one. He just wanted to make sure that he was going to be compensated. And so the other details that came out is that um, he has incentives in his contract that can, can pay him an additional uh, almost $2 million, $1.95 million over the life of the contract for rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. And what that looks like is $650,000 per year for each year. He has 380 or more rushing yards. Uh, $150,000 if he scores three rushing touchdowns in any one year. And then he maxes out at $650,000 per year and $1.95 million over the life of the new contract. And so those that fear that he wasn't going to, um, those that fear that he wasn't going willing to run the ball anymore, the wide back is here to stay and he'll get compensated for it. But like uh, Freddie here says, you know, that three years is, is it's nice for both sides. If, if Debo plays through that contract and is still a superstar, then he hits the market at, at, I think it's actually 30. I think he'll be 30 when that contract is over and another team is, is likely going to be willing to sign him. And if, if the wear and tear is too much, then the 49ers are out of it after, after three years. So, uh, I, I'm thrilled with it. I'm thrilled to have Debo back, but for, for both sides, I, I'm thrilled for Debo to get his deal. You know, he has earned that and I'm thrilled for the 49ers because it, it sets them up to be in a really nice position, uh, with, you know, arguably, uh, the last, probably the last year of a cheap Trey Lance, if Trey Lance is what we think he's going to be. 
Yeah, and I almost wonder too. I mean, I think he's definitely going to run the ball, but it may be the way he runs the ball that I don't know if he's going to be running in between the tackles as much because I think they're going to protect their $73 million investment. You know, I, I, sure. I think they are. So I do think he's still going to, you're still going to see him on sweeps and jumble passes. And I think he's going to be, there will be that aspect to it, but I don't know how much he'll be going in between the tackles type thing. You know, we'll, we'll see on that. And Freddie, I wanted to get to your other question too about why the Niners don't set the market on things like this. Well, I think that the Niners kind of want, usually want to do contracts the way they want to do them, right? Marathe has a, a way that he wants to structure these things and everything else. This one sort of looks like maybe went more player side and maybe they felt some pressure to do it. I do think another reason why they can maybe wait on some of these guys right now is players are in a good situation on the 49ers. It's a good team. Yep. You're an offensive player. You want to play with Kyle Shanahan, right? I mean, that's the thing we, we talked about Debo going to the Jets. And I know there's, you know, former 49er or, you know, part of the Shanahan tree there or whatever, but you're still, it's still Shanahan not, light. Yeah, exactly. It's Shanahan light. It's still not Kyle. So yeah. he, Samuel was better here too. And I'm sure Debo knew that yeah. somewhere in the back of his mind or in the front of his mind or wherever. Um, mm-hmm. But this was the best place for Debo. And I think with a lot of free agents, this is the best place for them. Now this team looks good. This team looks like it's, it does have to prove that it can get to the playoffs consistently and stay healthy. But I think yeah. if they do stay healthy, I think you're going to get a nice little run here where they're in the playoffs. I do want to yeah. say quickly too, if you're listening to this afterwards on the podcast and not on YouTube, you're going to hear me and Brian talk to random people and you're going to probably be like, who the hell are they talking <laughs> to? Um, like who the hell was Chris Al that you think in the beginning of the show? We're getting That's comments right. on here now as we're originally recording this on YouTube and we're just going to interact with people. So if you're listening on the podcast, just deal with, I guess, random comments, I guess. Sorry, we'll try, get, we'll, we'll try to get better <laughs> at it and make it make a little bit more sense. But yeah, sure. so anyway, sure. it, it was a good, it, it was a great day great week, whatever you want to call it for the Niners, mm-hmm. getting him back in camp. Now yeah. there's a lot of excitement, right? And it seems like with that camp, Brian, there's a lot of excitement coming out of the reports and, and that sort of thing with that. And the yeah. big thing so far, I think obviously is Trey Lance, right? I know for me every day, I want to know how Lance did And I, I don't think you can really look at the numbers. Like I think today we're recording this on a Monday. Um, he was five for 10. I think I saw. That's what I saw reported. Yeah. But Al saw, you know, it's, you can't look at these numbers because he played better than that because mm-hmm. he's getting harassed because he's got to make yeah. plays, you know, running, running around and he's making good throws and things like that. And he's had some bad days and he's had some good days. And I think you mentioned that we, this to me off the air, we'll know when they have those joint practices a little bit more with the Vikings, right? How he does and that sort of thing. But yeah. right now I'm excited. He's playing against one of the best defenses in the NFL, if not the best defense in the NFL, mm-hmm. certainly maybe the best defensive front. So. For him to go up against this defense, it's only going to maybe get a little bit easier, right? So you want him to throw him in, into the snake's den, throw him into it, um, see how he does. But I'm I'm happy so far. This is his team. Let him go over these bumps in practice. Let him make these mistakes in practice. Let him have Nick Bosa chasing him around. Um, you know, let him have this secondary that's glued to his receivers and see how he does. But so far, you have to be at least positive, I think, about what you've seen from this young quarterback and what he's going to be able to do as he grows. Yeah, I think the the big thing so far uh, in terms of Trey Lance and his development, uh, the the obvious connection is there with him and Brandon Ayuk. Um, it really does seem like mm-hmm. the kind of relationship that Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle had off the field, it seems like Ayuk and Lance are really fostering that kind of relationship as well. Uh, I know they spent a lot of time together in the offseason, Kyle Shea talked about how um, Ayuk and Lance spent a lot of time together in Southern California. At one point, uh, they ended up oh, they ended up at Shanahan's house. And from there, they, uh, according to Shanahan, 
they both uh, swam in the ocean for the first time in their lives, which is a pretty cool, cool. Uh, you know, pretty cool thing, right? Brandon Ayuk from Reno, Nevada. Um, obviously, that is not a uh, not uh, not anywhere near a coastline. Uh, and then Trey Lance from the Great White North of Minnesota, right? So, um, just a, a a cool relationship that's building. I remember uh, Lance posted a uh, a uh, uh, Instagram story. Uh, where he had he took a picture of of Ayuk who was wearing like all brown right and sitting on sitting like on a couch or whatever and he called him his little milk dud which I thought was hysterical so <laughs> um, yeah the the connection is there um, and obviously now getting Debo uh, they can start working on that connection as well uh, but a lot of the highlight plays so far have been made by Ayuk in the passing game um, again Lance has Lance has had some rough days. Uh, you know, a lot of days where you'll see like a five of 10, like today, um, six of 11. Uh, but there's also context behind those numbers. They're not just, he's not, it's not like he's sailing passes or anything like that. Those are passes that are dropped by receivers. There's passes that are broken up because of sticky coverage, like you said. And, you know, again, he's going, he's going against one of the better defensive fronts in all of football with a, a, an offensive line that is still currently trying to figure things out, right? Especially on that interior, they are alternating Jake Brendel and Dan Brunskill uh, with the ones. Uh, uh, I have seen uh, really good, really good reports on Aaron Banks, especially in pass protection, which is is obviously great news. Uh, it sounds like Spencer Burford has spent a lot of time at right guard, um, which is another, um, you know, which is another kind of wrinkle that. I, I don't even think we predicted necessarily going into this because, again, we thought it was Brendel kind of entrenched at center, and which meant Brunskill at right guard. Um, I like Burford a lot. I liked him coming out of UTSA, uh, fourth-round pick, uh, very athletic, uh, very strong, very nasty, um, you know, fits the profile that, that the 49ers seem to, to like of, of their drafted offensive linemen. So, yeah, again, he's going against... You cannot say, you cannot as a fan go, man, this 49ers defense is going to be number one in the league or a top three defense. And then with the same breath go, but why is Trey Lance struggling in, in camp? Well, he's struggling in camp. He's going against the best defense he's probably going to face all season. So, you know, his, his performance in camp, it, it, it's, not, it's not as important to me as seeing things like, hey, he's pushing the ball downfield more, right? He's taking more risks. We're seeing lots of, you know, we're seeing lots of routes that weren't necessarily. It's not that they weren't a part of the offense. They just weren't a part of what Jimmy Garoppolo was comfortable throwing. Lots of sideline routes, lots of out routes, uh, lots of uh, routes down the field. And so I, I don't think that the structure of the offense is going to change all that much. You know, Shanahan's offense essentially has, especially in, in the passing game, it's really routes that attack all three levels of the field. And it's just a matter of who is open and, and if the quarterback is willing to to make that throw, and I remember hearing uh, Nate Tice uh, of uh, uh, Rob Tice's son, or not Rob Tice, what's his name? Mike, um, Tice. Mike Tice. Thank you. Uh, my my cousin was friends uh, in childhood with a guy named Rob Tice. That's where that came from. Mike Tice. So Mike Tice's son Nate played quarterback at the University of Wisconsin. He's now a regular on Robert Mays's NFL or the Athletic NFL Show. But that's what he talked about. That Trey Lance is going to unlock those deeper routes that were there already. They just weren't being exploited. And so, you know, ultimately I think this offense is going to look very similar because what Kyle Shanahan wants to do is he wants to run the ball 
and then he wants to get chunk plays in the passing game. And he now has a quarterback with an arm that can that can do that. And so that's what I like to see. That's what I like to hear, that he's pushing the ball down the field more. We're seeing lots of, you know, 30, 40, 35, 40, 45 yard passes, even from Nate Sudfeld and 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 Brock Purdy to a lesser extent. So it seems like the quarterbacks are really, really trying to hammer those those deeper routes and and challenge themselves. And and that's what I like to hear. Yeah, it, it, that's going to be the difference this year is Lance pushing the ball. Do you remember in Kaepernick's first start against Chicago when he was making those second and third level throws that Alex Smith usually, yeah. did, usually didn't? I think it was Vernon Davis who stepped up for the game. It's, it's the same situation. Yeah. Right, kind of, right? And it's like yeah. Vernon Davis said something after the game about, you know, places where I usually don't expect to get the ball. It was just on me because it's those second and third level throws. And I love mm-hmm. Alex Smith. Um, but, you know, oh, yeah. he's going to. Played very similar to Jimmy, I guess, really, like mm-hmm. underneath stuff and checkdowns and that sort of thing. And, and all of a sudden, Kaepernick's there and you're pushing the ball downfield. And maybe it's 58% completion instead of 66% completion, but there's you know more big plays and that sort of thing. So I think that's what you can see this year, too, is just those shots down the field. You know, Trey's going to take it. And with that will come some turnovers. Maybe you get some three and outs, you know, that sort of thing. But you're going to get more big plays. And you know what, if there's a few more big plays, the Niners may not need to score that much this year, to be honest with you, that they keep it in the low 20s, right. might be able to win games. So, and yeah. then you mentioned Ayuk too. Now, Ayuk last year had 96 yards through, through week seven. That's it. <laughs> okay. Weird, yeah. And then he finished with 732 over his last however many games from week eight on. So mm-hmm. he was really good, really mm-hmm. good after that. And he really came around for whatever doghouse he was in or whatever Shanahan had to get through to him or whatever it was. He persevered through it. He came out the other end. He had a really strong second part of his season. And now it looks like this year, yeah, it looks like he's ready to take that next step. So, Brian, if you have Ayuk ready to break out in year three, Debo being Debo, Kittle, even if he is taking a bit of a step back, and I'm not saying he has, but, you know, if if he's not the Kittle of, you know, three years ago getting 1,400 yards. Mm-hmm. So just those three, again, it's it's so <laughs> exciting, man. It, it yeah. really is. Like, all of a sudden yeah. you have. We thought this could be this way, but we haven't seen it yet. It's always sort mm-hmm. of bits and pieces. Kittle's out. Debo was hurt. Yeah. Debo's playing great. Ayuk's in the doghouse. Now it seems like these three are ready to roll together. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That is exciting. And that's where a lot of this yeah. excitement is coming from, I think. Um, we haven't gotten the defense yet, really. Yeah. A lot of excitement is coming from with the Niners and what they can uh, do. I mean, you like you said uh, last episode, Warren Sharp ranked this pass-catching uh core right which included kittle as number two in the nfl right um warren sharp knows what he's talking about that's not that's not a guy that you know just throws hot takes out there for the sake of it you know there's a lot of thought and a lot of uh data behind that and i there are very few trios of patch pass catchers in the nfl that i would prefer to have right now than kittle debo and iu and then, and then behind them, you've got Jennings who, who broke out at the end, right? A, a, a possession receiver who just blocks his ass off, right? I, you know, one of my, some of my favorite clips of Jennings were, you know, uh, just literally pissing off DBs to the point where they're like throwing punches at him because he's, you know, he's blocking all the way through the whistle and maybe to the, as, as they like to say, the echo of the whistle, if you will. Um, and so, yeah, and and Shanahan has had nothing but great things to say about Ayuk this offseason, which again is 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 fantastic to hear. And so mm-hmm. it does seem like he it does seem like he turned a corner. 
Um, and then, and then once he turned that corner, just like you said, he took off. And yeah. so, you know, it, the other thing is, uh, and somebody pointed this out on, on Twitter and, and I'm not going to remember who it was, uh, right now, but when Trey Lance, uh, was at North Dakota state, if I'm not mistaken, his top, uh, pass catcher in terms of, uh, targets and catches was his tight end. So Trey knows how to find a tight end. Uh, you know, and it played a, a a big role in in that passing offense, and and Kittle can do the same. And Mina Kime said uh, like a month ago uh, that she thinks that Trey Lance is going to unlock George Kittle, and and I could see that. And you know, I I don't foresee you know I don't foresee three guys getting over a thousand yards, but I definitely could see two of them. Um, yeah. One of two of those three, and then the the third is probably going to be close. And then you've got Jennings, who's, you know, going to have, you know, maybe close to 500 yards, um, you know, but I think I think when we're going to see that and, and really see it just explode is probably the second half of the season uh, once Trey gets a little bit more of his feet underneath him. Uh, but but yeah, I I'm I am very excited about this offense. I mean, there's I don't know. I don't know why you wouldn't. be. I have one reason why. <laughs> so sure. Um, sure. The one thing I I would be lying to everyone right now if I said I wasn't really worried about this interior of the offensive line. Um, yeah. And listen, I'm notably a pessimist. If you listen to this show, I could always find something to worry about. But um, <laughs> listen, Trent Williams is Trent Williams. And I think McGlinchey gets a bad rap. I think McGlinchey's decent, right? You know, he's starting right tackle in the league. He's an terrible. elite run blocker at right yeah, tackle. Usually terrific. And a decent and, pass know, blocker. Yeah. And I think with the, his pass blocking, I think he's had some rough moments and maybe mm-hmm. had some bad times. And I think that gets a little bit magnified, but I think McGlinchey's a good player. I feel okay mm-hmm. with him there. Um, so you have two tackles that, okay, we're good to go. And then you go on the inside and I am nervous. I know Aaron Banks looks good and everybody, but he's still, still his first year of real action. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been some issues in pass protection from what I've kind of heard. We'll see how he does, especially when you're against Aaron, Aaron Donald's of the world and things like that, right? Nobody's going against Aaron Donald, except Daniel Brunskill. But he's maybe not so great against everybody else. He's good against Aaron Donald. Um, But then you have Brunskill and Brendel and Buford and whatever the hell is going on at the other guard position in center right now. Kind of wish, I understand there's competition. I kind of wish they just pick a freaking center and kind of let everybody else fill in where they're going to fill in so they can get used to playing together. Um, Because I am nervous about it. Very Mm -hmm. nervous about it. I guess one thing that knowing how important center is in Kyle Shanahan's offense, don't understand why they've done this. I don't yeah. understand why they're going in. I, they can like Brendel. Great. He's still 30 years old and hasn't really played, mm-hmm. you know, one skill to me, Brunskill is, I think he's a decent guard. He played really well at tackle that year, but he hasn't shown me anything at center that we're going to trust him to be a, a top notch center. Not yet. Anyway, and maybe he will, mm-hmm. maybe he will, you know, I'm not saying that he can or won't, but right yeah. now that's, that's what makes me nervous. That can derail Trey. If you're constantly getting bull rushed up the middle, that can derail the running game which mm-hmm. is a staple of this offense. And we know they're going to run the hell out of the ball. But if we're getting blown up on the inside, that, that concerns me. That yeah. can be an issue. So other than that, I, it's like Niners camp. You're like, oh my God, this looks maybe right. the Super Bowl team. And last year, I didn't think they were. I was very, very upfront about that. I was like, I think the team's got problems. And they did at the beginning mm-hmm. of the season. Yeah. Um, this year, I'm kind of, other than the media, I kind of think they're going to be really good. But what can derail them is the interior O-line. That I would be lying to everyone if I said right now that's like my antennas are up there. I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, it, and and the thing is, I mean, 
I agree with you. I, I, I never, I, I didn't understand why center was not really addressed in the off season. It seems like they were not caught off guard by max retirement, which meant that they probably knew, you know, mm -hmm. early on that, that the likelihood that he was going to retire was probably pretty, pretty high. Um, you know, and, and when that happened with Joe Staley, uh, two years ago, they pulled off the trade and, and, and brought Trent Williams in. So right. the fact that they didn't do anything and then didn't address it in the draft. Now, to be fair, I think there were probably two guys in the draft that they were like, we would, we would take them in a heartbeat. One was Linderbaum who went in the first round mm -hmm. and the other one was Jurgens, who was the center out of Nebraska. And I know that they, uh, I don't know, but I, I have heard that they were really high on Jurgens, and then Jurgens ended up going early in the second round. And so, you know, I think ultimately to them, it was like, there's two guys that, that if, if they're there, like we would take them, but we're not going to force, we're not going to force a, a, a selection. Oh, the other one being, um, uh, Donald Parham out of Memphis, who actually, I personally think the reason they ended up with Ty Davis price was because uh, Parham was selected by the Raiders. I believe one or two selections prior to their third round pick where they took Ty Davis price. And I mm -hmm. think they would have taken Parham there um, as their, as their future center. And so there were three guys that they were looking at and, and they didn't end up being able to get one. Now I think Donovan West um, who hasn't been talked about a lot. Um, I think he has an opportunity to be a center of the future. Um, I don't think that that future is the 2022 season. And so the, the scary thing is, is there's really not a whole lot that they can do to address the position. Um, JC Treader is still available. Um, Rohan, our boy wonder at, at 49ers web zone, who graduated from high school in June. Um, he posted a graduation photo and I legitimately thought that was his college graduation photo. And then he's like, I'm going to university of Wisconsin in the fall. I was like, Hey, wait, what? Like he's been writing for us for like a year. So, um, but he tweeted out and, and, and one thing he said, and, and I would agree with this is, you know, one of the reasons Treader is still available is because, uh, the, the rap on him currently, um, is that he cannot or does not practice. So he, he practiced almost right. didn't practice at all last year with the Browns still started all 16 games, still had a, a pretty high PFF grade. Um, you know, he was there for the games, but he wasn't there for practice. Well, the problem with the 49ers is, I mean, it's the same Kubiak system, right? I think he could plug and play. I really do. I don't think it would be an issue for him. The problem is, if that's the case, unless you put Brunskill at right guard, you now you have Aaron Banks on the, on the left of him and Burford on the right. And, and what Rohan said was part of the issue that they're having right now is just like a communication issue, um, just trying to, to, to figure out how to gel and play together. Right. That interior offensive line really has to play as a unit. It's really the three of them. It's not it's not three individual guys. It's three guys coming together and playing as one on the interior of the line. And so if Treader can't practice and again, I don't know. I don't know if, if the issue is, is even if he comes into a team this year, he still wouldn't be able to practice. I have no idea. Uh, but if that's the issue, that that would probably be part of why they haven't really barked up that tree yet is because it, that would be difficult for for Banks and for Burford to to gel with somebody who isn't who isn't practicing. Outside of Treader, there's really not a lot available. And 
you know, you have the Bucks who just lost their starting center for the year. Uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Jensen went down with a knee injury, uh, which means, um, you know, which which means that possibly they could be looking at Treader. But I also um, I heard that they are pretty high on on a guy that they drafted last year. Um, and so it sounds like, you know, he that th- he's going to get the first crack. But I, I don't think I don't think there's a whole lot of time left for them to just kind of, you know, pussyfoot around with this <laughs> with this uh, position because uh, it can really, like you said, derail the entire season. Yeah, and you mentioned this previous draft, but the draft two years ago, too, you know, Alex Mack was a short-term solution, right? Yeah. So I kind of thought, you know, you have Mack, maybe they draft somebody. They took Banks, and Cree mm-hmm. Humphrey was there, Green you know? Was there. You yeah. know, so um, that's something that really surprised me. And again, in the sense, because traditionally this team seems like they sort of de-emphasize guard a little bit, or maybe it's not as important as other positions for them. And I guess yeah. a lot of things like that, but that they do emphasize again, that center is an important position in Shanahan's mm-hmm. offense, but they went guard maybe because they were just thinking we're going to lose Lake and we're not going to be able to pay them, yeah. but they also needed that center. So it was it's a little bit strange. And again, no team, mm-hmm. I, you could look at every single team in the NFL and pick something apart, right. Or be like, sure. what the hell are they doing? That's right? roster management, right? Exactly. Right. And it's, it's yeah. every, I think every team there's issues like that everywhere. Every fan base would, pick somewhere, whether it's the Bucks or the Bills or, you know, any team like that. So mm-hmm. Fan base, but what, what, what were they doing there? And that's yeah. just kind of what I feel with the Niners right now, and I hope it doesn't derail them. I still think they're going to be good enough even with it. I mean, I don't think it's going to yeah. blow their season up, but I'm not talking about blowing up the season. I'm talking about can they win a championship? Can right. they do that? Right, And it may may hurt them there. So we'll see, but we'll see. You know, if that's the one thing I guess that we're a little bit worried about right now, that's not too bad, right? And the one thing that... Yeah. But, yep. Arguably, yeah, yeah. So, and the only the one thing that I'm not worried about right now is this defense. Um, keep talking yeah. about it. And I think the biggest thing for me, you know, you never know with a with a free agent coming in how they're going to react to a new place or if they're going to feel pressure or whatever it is. And Traverius Ward looks like he's fit right in, man. Excuse me, he just looks great so far in camp. He picking everything off along with Emmanuel Mosey. These this quarterback duo looks terrific. It's exciting. You know, you hear, well, yeah. you know, Trey Lance got picked off, but you're kind of like, all right, it was Ward and Mosley again. All right, you know, cool. Like, this looks like it's really, it's really yeah. going well. So to bring that guy in there and to hear what you're hearing as far as what these guys look like at camp. And Richard Sherman tweeted, too, like he thinks that this is going to be one of the best secondaries in the league. Mm-hmm. He said something like that. Um, there's starting to be a lot of hype. We knew the front seven. Yeah. And this back end, too. This defense, I'm telling you, it can be special this year. Yeah, I... Again, the the to me the biggest victory of the offseason was the front office finally uh, investing in the secondary. It felt like, you know, it, and and they have a philosophy, right? And their philosophy is you build your defense from the front to the back, which means that you sink the majority of your uh, resources into the front, and then you know you can figure out the back because you know the old adage, right? You how anybody can cover for three seconds, right? And that's really what they're looking for, right? Because at after three seconds, you know, the quarterback's on his back. Now they've got a secondary that can cover for more than three seconds and a front that can get to the quarterback in three seconds. And so it's like, what, you know, what's our, what's, what's an offense going to do? Right. And uh, I believe the stat right now is that they have, um, I believe 14 interceptions uh, through, through camp so far mm-hmm. as a secondary. Um, and that is Ward. Uh, that's Charvarius Ward, you know, the 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 cornerback that they signed, which again was a signing that I 
pushed for even before it happened and was very excited about when it did. You know, I think he's a very underrated player. I think he's going to end up being a, a pretty, a pretty, I would argue, a household name maybe by the end of this season, just because, again, this defense is going to be so good and the secondary. And another player who has impressed so far is Hufanga, which is good news, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Because that was really the only hole that this defense had anywhere was who was going to start at strong safety or just other safety, right? It's really kind of interchangeable at this point on a 49ers defense. It really isn't a free safety and a strong safety. It's just the two safeties. Who's going to start opposite Jimmy Ward? Seems like Hufanga has been given the opportunity uh, to start, and it seems like he's taking advantage of that. Uh, I believe I've seen tweeted that he is the first one on the practice field so far every day of camp. Um, there have been days where he's been out on that field 45 minutes before practice starts, which is great. Um, he was, a when the 49ers go into, uh, any draft, they have a, a designation that they call, uh, golden helmets, right. That they mm -hmm. give to a handful of players. And those are players that not only, uh, you know, look like they are, are, are good players, but they possess, um, a lot of those intangibles, those leadership abilities. And Hufango was a golden helmet guy for them. And so it seems like they, they really kind of. Uh, scouted him early and were able to get him in the fifth round. And it seems like that, that really could be quite the, quite the pick for them. Um, even, the, even the linebackers have gotten in on the uh, interceptions. I believe Fred Warner has um, at least two. Um, somebody said down here, um, why does no one speak of Greenlaw? Um, I, I, I don't think it's, it's not that, that Greenlaw doesn't deserve respect or doesn't get respect. It's just that, you know, the 49ers have what amounts to the best linebacking trio in the game. Fred is going to always get the accolades because he's the middle linebacker. He's the really the captain of that defense. Sounds like he's even leaned into that even more this this season. He's part of the reason why that defense plays like it does uh, mm -hmm. during practice. Um, but yeah, that, that secondary. Again, they haven't had, you know, I love Richard Sherman and I, I, I continue to love Richard Sherman and that season he had in 2019 was really good but also if you look at what happened late in the season and in the playoffs he got picked on a little bit and yeah. what they realized was you know that speed and that recovery speed isn't there for him anymore that's not an issue for Traverius Ward that is not an issue for Emmanuel Mosley you've also got Verrett who I think honestly will probably start the season on on the pup list or or, or on the IR designated for return and then could be like a midseason uh boost if you will um sounds like uh, Diamador Lenore has looked good on the outside and that's probably going to be where he ends up is the outside. Ambry Thomas had a rough start, but he's starting to, to, to come back. Uh, uh, Denard has looked good in the slot. Uh, Womack has, has had his moments. So there is a, just a ton of depth in the secondary, uh, which is great because, you know, we just spent a season with, uh, you know, Josh who Norman. was uh, Josh Norman? Thank you. With uh, Josh Norman playing significant amount of snaps and uh, Drake Kirkpatrick as well. So the fact that they have that kind of depth is incredible, and to see it play out in camp the way that it has really just confirms that that this this defense is primed for again a, a pretty legendary season. I would I would argue that as it currently stands this defense is likely better than that 2019 uh, defense, which was really, really, really mm -hmm. good. So uh, I'm excited. I'm very excited.
Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they were one of the best defenses in the league second half of last year with Norman and Kirkpatrick. So, I mean, to think we're right. up there, you know what I mean? Right. All right, Brian. So I was going to ask you what a realistic win total is for you this year, but you know uh-huh. what? Let's go, through, let's go through the schedule, man. Let's, let's see yeah. what we think right now. All right. So I'm going to read it off. Totally putting you on the spot because we have not talked about this. So sure. let's just kind of see what we got here. So week one against the Bears. Uh-huh. Win or loss? Win. Me too. All right. I think they're going to win that game. Week two, Seattle. That's that's uh that's the home opener, right? That one is going to be interesting just to see if uh Jimmy G is is on the is on the Seahawks. But um I think regardless of who is quarterback, whether it's Jimmy G, whether it's Geno Smith, or whether it's Drew Locke, I think that's a win. I do too. And I think look, the Seahawks are a mental thing. This is a game you gotta win, and and I think that they will. Seahawks are gonna kind of be garbage this year. At the Broncos in week three, Russell Wilson, the Nemesis. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. That one's tough just because I don't know what that Broncos defense is going to look like without Fangio. Um, I don't know if they're a lot of the same players and and the guy that they brought over from the Rams, you know, is running a similar system, right? He's coming from that that Brandon Staley system. Um, And again, what does that what does that uh, Broncos offense look like with Russell Wilson? But because it's in Denver, right? Is that in Denver or is it in Denver? Yep, in Denver. I'm going to call that a loss. Yeah, I got that as a loss too. I mean, let's be honest, Russell Wilson owns them. And that's a tough game on the road. That's a primetime game. It's a Sunday night game. Um, I got that as a loss too. All right, week four, home against the Rams. <laughs> um, that's a Monday night football game, right? That is a Monday night football game. Yeah. Um, if I'm going to give them a loss in Denver, I'm going to give them a win against the Rams. I think they're going to shock the world on Monday Night Football. I always look at the Rams. You know, probably split with the Cardinals too. You're going to split. I feel like they're going to split. That's kind of how I look at that. So I'll give the home a win. So you already know what I'm going to say for the Rams for a way, but I'll, I'm going to give them a win there too. Okay. Week five at Carolina. Win. Yeah. This is a kind of easy. I'm not saying anything. I want to think, but uh, week, <laughs> week six at Atlanta. Win. Agree. Imagine them five and one out the gate, even four and two. That's a good state. I would take that. It it is. It is. And it, it rem- again, it reminds me uh, a lot of that uh, that 2019 season, right, where they came out the gate eight and zero. And and if you, I, I tweeted it out. You look at Jimmy Garoppolo's stats, not terribly impressive, Mm-mm. but the defense. And the running game really carried the day while he got his feet under him after co- recovering from that uh, knee injury. And then, you know, in the second half, he played significantly better. And obviously, they ended up in the Super Bowl. But yeah, it's, uh, it's it, it, a lot of parallels for, to me. All right. Speaking of that Super Bowl, week seven, home at the Chiefs, home against the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I'm going to call that a loss. <sighs> yeah, I probably am, too. This is where it gets a little tough. All right. Week eight at the Rams. I'm going to call it a win, right? How, how many times have the Rams beat Kyle Shanahan? All right, I got to call it a loss because I'm going to split it. They're going to split to me, so I got to do a loss there. Now, all of a sudden, I'm getting, now I'm getting nervous. It's getting harder. <laughs> now you got the bye, okay, but you come off yep. the bye, and you have a Sunday night game against the Chargers, the loaded Chargers team. <sighs> yeah, um, that one's tough for me. Um, again, coming off the bye. Um, the nice thing about the schedule, uh, you know, when I, when I looked at it, uh, fairly recently 
was that there aren't really any stretches where it's like three tough games in a row, right? Because there's that buy in there, right? So it's Kansas City, LA, buy, Chargers, and then we'll get to the next game. But um, I'm going to say they win that game just because, again, they're coming off their buy. Um, I think that I think the offense will really have gelled by that point. And again, I think that defense is is going to be incredibly good. Oh man, I don't know here. Um, I'll say because it's coming off a bye, and I'll be a homer and I'll give him a win. All right, that's tough, man. That's a tough stretch. All right, week week eleven at Arizona, but it's not at Arizona. It's in Mexico. Mexico. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to call that a win. I I don't believe in the Cardinals. Um, I don't believe in Kyler Murray. I absolutely don't believe in Cliff Kingsbury. Um, again, that is a, that's a game at elevation. Um, and you know, they'll have experience with that Denver game. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, again, I just don't, I don't believe in, I don't believe in the Cardinals. I think I'm going to give him a win there too. Now week 12 feels like after you have two big wins against the chargers and the Cardinals, mm-hmm. it feels like a letdown game to me a little bit. You're playing the Saints at home. Yeah. Really good defense. Do I trust Jameis Winston? No, this, this is a game that if they're coming in, you got him at eight and two. I got him at seven and three. This is a game that I'm nervous going into. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the the problem is, is we don't really know a lot about the Saints on offense, right? Mm-hmm. Just because Pete Carmichael is there and he's been there, but he hasn't called plays. You know, it's always been it's always been um, Sean Payton who's called the plays. So, you know, does he have the same kind of feel for play calling that Sean Payton does? I doubt it. Right. Otherwise, he'd be somewhere already. Um, doesn't mean that he can't or or won't. Um, and then again, you know, that, that defense, like you said, is, is good. Um, you know, I think the 49ers defense is better. I think that's just going to be a low scoring game. Um, but like you said, I, you know, a letdown game, um, coming, coming back from Mexico. Um, yeah, I, I would call that a loss just because again, I think it's a a letdown or a trap game. If you want. All right. I'm going to give him a win there. I don't feel good about it. I'm going to give him a win. Dolphins week 13. <laughs> oh man. Um I I will give that I'll call that a win. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think Again, I don't know what the Dolphins I the Dolphins defense has been good for the past 2 years because Brian Flores is a tremendous defensive coordinator. No idea what that defense is going to look like without him and you know, again, Mike McDaniel uh has been with Kyle Shanahan every every step of the way. Every every stop has had uh Mike McDaniel, but he's never called place. Yeah. Yeah, I just yeah, I feel like the Niners are going to be. I feel like that's a game they're going to win, and that's a yeah. home game too. Yeah, so I feel good about that. Yeah, um, Bucks going across the country. Or I'm sorry, uh, Dolphins going across the country. I feel good about that game. Yeah. Week 14, Bucks. That's a lo- this is a loss for me. Yeah. I got only three losses so far. It's it's a loss for me. That's in Tampa Bay, right? It is at Levi's. Oh, it's home. Okay. Yeah. Um. Again, I don't know what that offensive line is going to look like for the Bucks. What's the best way to to, uh, to get to Tom Brady? It's with uh, interior pressure. Um, you've got Eric Armstead. You've got Javon Kinlaw. Um, 
you know, you've you've got uh, you've got the guys to 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 get that interior pressure. Um, again, don't know what that line's going to look like. I will, uh, I will give it a, a loss because um, you know it's Tom Brady. All right, week fifteen, you're at Seattle. Win. Yeah, I just think Seattle's going to be garbage this year. I think they're. <laughs> <laughs> yes so, they're gonna be hot garbage the niners just it's just about time right it's just about time they kind of flip the switch with that for sure all right week 16 versus the commanders at home win all day baby www at the raiders week 17 we both got them 11 and 4 it'll be interesting uh to see where the um uh where the raiders are at that point are they um are they um imploding because josh mcdaniels is their head coach that's the thing i just don't know right but but, right but also you're you're in a division with the chargers and the broncos and the chiefs like are they even playing for a playoff spot at that point i don't know um and again, are the 49ers at that point, you know, what do the Rams look like? Are the 49ers competing for anything? Um, I just, I can't bring myself to think that the 49ers are going to lose to the Raiders. So I'm going to make that a win. All right. I think I am too. Um, but the last game against the Cardinals, I'm going to give them a split here. It's real hard to sure. go five and one in the division. Um, I think four and two is reasonable. So I'll yeah. give them a split. I'm going to give them their fifth loss. So I have them at 12 and five this year, Brian. Yeah, and I, I, you know, honestly, I've I felt like ten was the floor um, with this team, just the way that it's constructed, the way that the you know the defense is going to carry this team. Um, doesn't mean that uh, it doesn't mean that the offense won't find its footing and won't look good, uh, but it doesn't need to, especially right out of the gate, uh, because again, they can be uh, they can be carried uh, by that defense. So ten has always felt like the floor to me. Uh, because again, I don't think it takes a lot from Trey Lance to right. get to 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 ten wins. Um, and if you get more from Trey Lance than 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 anticipated, then then you start looking at racking more and more wins. And so, you know, I think between ten and thirteen wins is is fair. Um, you know, uh, so you know, twelve and five, thirteen and four, right? I'm not looking at fourteen and three. 15 and two, right? Like we're, we're still talking about, you know, they've got some tough games on that schedule. They're playing the bucks. They're playing the chiefs. They're playing the chargers, right? They're playing the Broncos, right? That AFC West gauntlet that they have to play. Um, but outside of that AFC West gauntlet, uh, you know, again, it's the AFC West and the NFC South, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the Panthers, the Falcons, the saints and the, and the bucks, right? So again, you're looking at, three, four, five really difficult games um, out of the 17. Um, the rest of them, I'm not all that worried about. Um, you know, the division games are going to be tough. I'm not worried about the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks are going to be god-awful this year. Um, you know, the the Rams, I, I don't know. Um, I A lot of people are hyping them up. Apparently, Allen Robinson is going to be a revelation in that offense. We'll see. Um, mm-hmm. But they lost their, you know, they lost their left tackle. Um, they lost their, <coughs> excuse me, they lost their center. Um, they lost Von Miller, 
Uh, they lost their uh, starting corner opposite of Jalen Ramsey. Um, there's there's questions on that team, and so I don't think it's just a foregone conclusion that they're going to steamroll the division or the or the NFC. Um, and then again, like I said, I don't believe in the Cardinals. I don't believe in in Cliff Kingsbury. I don't necessarily believe in Kyler Murray. So it just it it does seem set up for them to to have a run and and to and to you know possibly look at you know at least one home game. Uh, in the playoffs, I, 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 I don't. I'm not going to predict the playoffs, right? We just went through the schedule. We gave them a, a you know, a, a, a pretty, pretty nice record. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to be on record saying like if they don't make the playoffs, um, that is a, you know, that is a loss for me. Uh, my biggest concern for this season is the is the progression of Trey Lance and the development of Trey Lance, and as long as that is there, then that is great for me. And everything else is gravy. See, I'm going to disagree with you there. I think it is a huge loss if you don't make the playoffs this year. And I think the reason for that is the windows open now. And you've been winning, getting to the playoffs with a healthy, you know, when Garoppolo's been in there, mm-hmm. pretty mediocre quarterback play. I mean, he didn't True. do much last year. So all Lance mm-hmm. has to do, like you said, is just don't blow it up, man. Just mm-hmm. take care of the ball, run the ball, make a few big throws. You know, the defense is going to play well. If they didn't make the playoffs this year, it's four out of six years not making the playoffs with Kyle Shanahan. It's true. That's true. I, that's me. I love Kyle. I've mm-hmm. always been a Kyle guy, but he has to start getting in the playoffs consistently. And I, I loved what they did in 2020. They only won six and 10. They didn't have their starting quarterback. They didn't have Nick Bosa, who's one of the best defensive players in the league. Debo was out a lot of the year. Kittle was out a lot of the year. They had nothing. And yeah. they were three or four bonehead Nick Mullins throws away from being 95 <laughs> and getting in. Seriously. That's true. He did that bit of a job. So I think he's got to get in this year. If they don't, yeah. if they go 10 and seven and they didn't get in, you're like, all right, it was a fluky year. You know, it's real hard to get 10 wins and not get in, especially with the extra wild card. But right. if something like that happens. And the okay. NFC is weak. Right, right. Oh, okay. But if, if yeah. they're like seven and whatever, it'd be 10 or eight and nine and they don't get in, to me, that that is a wasted year. And then next year, again, we got to say next year's a must because now you're talking four out sure. of six and not in the playoffs. They yeah. have to start back-to-back playoff years and start to build. But if they win the Super Bowl this year, they got to mm-hmm. get in. Me, they still have. To yeah, and if you, if you look at Kyle, Sh- and again, the you know, the whole argument, right? Like, why are they getting rid of Jimmy Garoppolo? Look at Kyle Shanahan's record with Jimmy Garoppolo. Look at his record without Jimmy Garoppolo. We've talked about that before, right? What does Jimmy Garoppolo provide? He provides a baseline of competent NFL starting quarterback play, right? Mm-hmm. The definition of average is Jimmy Garoppolo to me. You know, he's elite on third down. But part of part of the issue is, you know, he also is the reason why they are in third down sometimes. Right. right? So, you know, he does have some elite traits, right? Uh, The the quickest release I've seen in a long time. And, you know, and and he's nails on third down. Right. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, you look at it and you go, all right, Jimmy Garoppolo provides average quarterback play. There have been two seasons that he has played more than six games. As a 49er, and that was 2019 and 2021. And in 2019, they went to the Super Bowl, and in 2021, they made it to the NFC Championship game. So the year, the two years that Kyle Shanahan has received average quarterback play for more than six games in a season, he's led his team to the Super Bowl and the NFC Championship game. Mm -hmm. Like you said, there's only so far that excuses can go, right? And and losing your quarterback is 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 a big excuse. Like you can't, hundred percent. You can't you can't deny that. And and to say that 
you know, while he was playing with Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard and people go, well, that's just excuses. Well, it's not right. Those aren't NFL quarterbacks. They're not NFL starting quarterbacks. Like maybe they can win you a game or two if your guy goes down for a game or two or can come in and 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 help out in a game where he goes, you know, he goes down the first quarter, whatever. Right. That's what they're there. For. They're not there to start four, five, six games and 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 win for you. Um, right. If you can get one or two, then you're good, right? So, you know, uh, again, this narrative that that Kyle Shanahan can't win without Jimmy Garoppolo—that's that's nonsense to me. What what he can't win with is garbage quarterback play, and most coaches can't. Most can't so, right. what are, right. what are you going to do there? So, I, I, you know, I the the only reason I I say if they don't make the playoffs, it's a loss to me, because um, in in my mind, if if they don't make the playoffs, it's likely because there were some devastating or catastrophic injuries, right? right? Doesn't necessarily mean to, to Trey, but some injuries that, that deplete, you know, the defense or, or, or whatever, um, or the offensive line, whatever the case may be. Right. So that to me is the only, really the only, the only way that, that they don't make the playoffs simply because again, I think the floor is 10 wins. And 10 wins is going to make the playoffs in the NFC because the NFC is weak this year. All right, Bryce, we got through a whole show and Jimmy Garoppolo is not a topic once. This is fantastic. <laughs> great. We mentioned him, but he won a topic. Yeah. So you know what? It, this, is, this has been a this has win been for me. This is a win for me. It's this a victory. Win. All right, man, you got anything else? Uh, no, I, you know, I obviously, you know, with Debo signed the, the, the last thing that we're, that we're looking for, you know, and you talked about it is, is the, the end to this saga of where is, is Garoppolo going to go? You know, yeah. um, I am, I will say, you know, the, the, the arbitrator came out and, and gave Deshaun Watson, uh, six games, which I think is a travesty. Um, mm-hmm. you know, she did it. She also worded it to basically say like, Hey, like, based on your own rules, I can't give him more than this. Basically like you need to fix your rules because right. You know, this is, there's, there's no reason why it shouldn't be more, but I'm, I'm tied to what essentially is in your, you know, in, in your language that, that you have put together. Um, but because it is only six games, <clears throat> I, I think there's uh, really zero chance that, that Cleveland looks at bringing Garoppolo in. And so we're really at a, at a, at a point where, there's just not a lot of options available by trade. Apparently there's been rumors that possibly the giants might look, look at him. Sure. Like, okay. But I, I also think that they have like $6 million in cap space. So he's going to have to take quite the pay cut to me. It, it, it seems like more and more it, it's looking like a release is going to be the end result. Now, when that happens, who knows, you know, are they going to do him a solid and, and, and do it early enough for him to catch on somewhere? I think they are. I don't want to say worried, but um, I do think that that if they can keep him out of Seattle, at least for as long as possible, that would probably be a preference of theirs. Um, but but yeah, I am. Uh, I'm excited for for the end of that saga because that really kind of ties up all the loose ends for this offseason. And then it really is just all about looking at at next offseason or at, at the season. And uh, excited for those uh, those joint practices with the uh, Vikings, which come. Uh, in two weeks. And um, like I said, you know, Trey's performance in practice. Again, if, if I see that he's five of 10, six of 11, whatever it's, it, I don't feel like the sky is falling. Yeah. It's a fun time of year though, man. Can't wait for the season to get here, but this it's fun talking about it. On its way. It, it, is. Good, so. it is. 
All right. Thanks, everybody, again for joining us. For Brian, this is Al. We'll see you. Later.